Good morning, church. Amen. Amen. I like the part of that psalm where it repeats the phrase, Jesus Christ, our living hope. Vet, your mama's here. Dios te bendiga. ¿Cómo estás? Awkward. That's what the rest of you were thinking just now, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ, our living hope. I don't know about you, but I got a living hope on the inside of me, and it makes me feel so good. Amen. Put your hand over your heart if you know Jesus. Doesn't it make you feel so good to know that Jesus is alive, that he has risen from the grave? He's alive, and today we are actually able to live life to the fullest because of that wonderful fact. I want you to turn. Is that me? Oh, I thought you were addressing me. I thought I was going to dismiss children. I, no children. Are staying with us? Okay. Turn your Bibles. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles with me, please. I'm not going to read them again, but there are some that I'd like to read. I'm going to read at least three, four verses in John chapter 19. The last four verses of John 19, and then some in John 20. The title this morning is, He is Risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Can somebody say, He is risen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you have it, say, Amen. John 19. It's kind of become a tradition here, hasn't it? Right, Ron? <laughs> say, Amen, when you have it. That's the tradition. Tell me, what's he talking about? <clears throat> John 19, verse 30. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Drop down to verse 38. <clears throat> After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, he asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds in weight. Wow. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Verse 1, chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were both going toward the tomb. <clears throat> Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. 
Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then, this, then the disciples went back to their homes. Drop down to verse 19. We're going to skip the ones that were read here moments ago. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, <clears throat> he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderful privilege and opportunity to be here gathered together like this, a family of believers in your presence. Father, we thank you again for this day. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you like this. We thank you for this part, Father. The opportunity when we get to hear from you. Father, the title this morning is, He is Risen. Because we know that you are indeed risen from the dead. You are alive. And as such, we are able to live out this wonderful living hope that we possess on the inside of us. We thank you for it, Father. We pray that you may bless us now. As we get into your word, speak to us, Father. Give us hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, and God's people say, Amen. This is... Oh boy, that's you, Linda. You and that cat again. I sat in front of you. This is um, one of the traditional passages that we read during this time. Every single year. John 20. Uh, I, I like the passage that Pastor Ricardo uh, preached from this morning because it, it, there's certain phrases. There's a perspective in that um, that's, that's really, really important um, to what we're talking about here this morning. But nevertheless, this is one of a few different passages that are used this time of year. And it is a passage concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen today? And it's a glorious passage for many reasons. And one of the reasons is, as I just finished stating, Jesus actually rose from the dead. Think about every other religion that exists on the planet today. Their founders are still in the tomb. Or in the grave, however you want to refer to it. In a sepulcher. But not our Jesus Jesus, his tomb rather, is actually empty today because he was, in fact, the incarnate God. I mean, just, just think of that right there alone. I mean, we can actually stop right there and say nothing else. Because how often do we miss out on really thinking about the true meaning when we think in terms of Jesus? Who was he? Who was Jesus Christ? When was the last time you asked yourself that question? The Bible tells us in Matthew 1 that he was God manifested in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And I thank Jesus Christ for that. This passage and many passages like this one, they are actually at the heart 
and soul of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the question is, what does it all mean? What does it all actually mean? We, we throw these terms around loosely, but not everybody here this morning truly understands what it actually meant by Jesus dying, being buried, and rising again from the dead. We, ha- we, we have an, a religious inclination, a religious idea, but it's not personal to everybody in society, is it? If it were so, everybody in society will actually be saved, but it's not personal to everybody. And so it is my hope this morning that somebody may leave here truly understanding in a very personal way what it means to appropriate or to take ownership of what Jesus actually accomplished for us at the cross. And today, really quickly, we're just going to answer a few questions here this morning. The first one being, who is Jesus? Who is he? We hear a lot about him, but who is he or who was he relative to the passage and his act, dying, being buried and rising again? Who was he? Who was this man? Is he a historical figure, an actual historical figure? It's an essential question to ask because the answer, without the answer rather, this account of the resurrection becomes useless to us. We, we read a passage this morning multiple times from different texts that talk about this resurrection by Jesus Christ. And there are some here this morning uh, who are new to us, who are visitors here this morning, because somehow, some way, the account of Jesus' resurrection serves to draw anyone and everyone from out of all walks of life, to come into church, a setting just like this one, to hear concerning His resurrection. But who is He? John 5.39, if you're taking notes, put this verse down. 5.39, John, it says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness of me. So let me tell you what's taking place here. Jesus Christ was having a conversation long ago with the religious people of his day. And they were all pompous and pious and self-exalting themselves. And they actually believed themselves to be saved. They were walking around extremely religious, praying out on the street corners, etc. Not that there's technically anything wrong with praying out on the corner, right? But when your heart is not fixed on the Creator Himself, praying out in the corner is just hypocrisy. There's an emptiness there. There's no substance there. And Jesus Christ was having a dialogue with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And He says to them, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which bear witness of me. Jesus Christ actually took the time in their hearing, in their presence, to allude to the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written yet. He says, search the Scriptures, referring to the Old Testament. And he was pointing out the fact that if they were truly, truly conscientious of what the Scriptures had to say, they would have recognized him when he showed up the way that he did. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, reads as follows. And these are verses supporting 
Jesus' identity in the Old Testament. It says, I will bless those who bless you. And I know it's one of the, I know what you're thinking. Wait, wait a minute, this is the Abraham passage, right? I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now write this down. In Acts chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, it's the fulfillment of that Genesis 12, 3 passage. And it reads as follows. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, your offspring shall through your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning everyone from your wickedness. Now, when you study that passage in Acts carefully, you find out that Jesus was the one being spoken of. How about Micah chapter 5 verse 2? Speaking of a prophecy concerning the, the, the city where Jesus Christ would be born. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. You could just listen. I hear you rustling through your pages. Feel free to just listen. Micah 5.2 says, but you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient times. So what's the point? The question is, who is Jesus? And I just cited just two references out of hundreds in the Old Testament that actually point to Jesus Christ. These are messianic prophecies concerning the fact that one day God himself would be manifested in physical form to die on the cross for our sins. The Old Testament validates his identity. Because no matter where you look in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is spoken of. Now listen to this in Matthew 2, 4 through 6, which is a fulfillment of Micah 5, 2. It says, And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Imagine that. The bottom line concerning this first question, concerning who Jesus Christ is, is that Jesus Christ was indeed the prophesied descendant, the Messiah. And we can actually trace his identity throughout all the scriptures. Jesus Christ was God manifested in physical form. Amen, somebody? But, but consider this question. Keeping it relatively simple. Why did he come? Some of, the, some of us know this inside and out. But not everybody here truly understands. question is, why did he come? come. In our text this morning, the one that we read, Jesus Christ is actually cast as a sufferer, a victim, a death row inmate, if you will. 
When was the last time you took the time to think about that perspective of his ministry? Yes, he is risen. Thank God for the fact that he is risen. Yes, he went to the cross. Thank God he died in our, pray, in our place. But have you thought about the suffering that he endured prior to his crucifixion for you and for me? When was the last time you, you took the time to think about his suffering, his pain, and his agony? Except for those who were closest to him, there's almost no regard for his life at all as he lived it. He was ostracized. He was dis- denounced. He was dismissed. Some of the places Jesus Christ went into to minister, they actually asked him to leave. Because they did not want him in their region. Why did he come? He came simply because he loves us. He came simply because he loves us. Think about that. Don't let it go in one ear out the other. Because I know there's pain represented in this sanctuary this morning. I know there's conflict represented here this morning. Anybody got bill problems? Anybody got health problems? Anybody got relationship problems? Anybody got the IRS knocking on the door for you? Mmm, tax season, yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Roy? Is that you, Roy? No, not you? We all have difficulties in life. Why did he come? He came because he loves us. In verse 30, look at verse 30 in your text. 19, chapter 19, it simply says, it is finished. What does that even mean, it is finished? I know it's a reference to to his redemptive plan. But think about, think about everything that he endured for us as he was going to the cross. He endured it all because of his love for us. He was killed Because of his love for us. Some people say, well, he didn't have to do it. No, that's not true. He had to do it. He had to do it. Because he loves us. Love compelled him to the cross. He had to go. He revealed himself. He manifested himself for the purpose of going to the cross. In spite of the fact that he was rejected by mankind. In spite of the fact that he was... He was spat upon. He was ridiculed. I mean, they pulled the hair off his face. He went to the cross because he loves us. And right there at the base of the cross, moments after he breathes his last breath, a centurion looking upon Jesus, observing and taking the time to really hear what Jesus Christ was uttering from the cross. What was it the centurion said during those final moments? Truly, this was the Son of God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. It says, I will put enmity. That's conflict. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That would be Jesus. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Proto-evangelium. I mentioned it once before. 
is a prophecy prophesied long ago, thousands of years ago. It was predicted, this is the point, it was predicted by God the Father long ago in the Garden of Eden that Jesus Christ would suffer the way that he did and that he would actually be killed at the hands of ruthless sinners. Why? Because he loves us. And so this verse speaks of conflict. And yes, he was killed. But our text today teaches us that his tomb is empty. And I'm going to ask you to use your imagination just for a moment, five seconds. But use your imagination. And I want you to picture the tomb. Some of you probably have been to Israel. So I don't want you to picture that. I want you to, I want you to picture in your mind relative to the words that we've read in the passage. Because the passage says that the linen cloths were laying on that slab of, slab of concrete. I would imagine that's what it was. Right? I, I, I don't know. But just think about the, the, the head cloth. How it was folded neatly on that slab of concrete. Jewish tradition is... Look, look that up when you, get a, when you get an opportunity. Because it speaks of the fact that one day he'd be back. That he's going to return... And it just speaks of the living hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The tomb is actually empty. When you're going through your problems, remember that the tomb is empty. When somebody's knocking on your door, um, pleading or placing a demand upon your life financially, remember that the tomb is empty. When you consider your health and how I know some of you are, are, are dealing through Dealing with some really, really difficult physical times today. Think about the fact that the tomb is empty today. Amen. When you're struggling through life, when nobody loves you, nobody cares, or you can't find a boyfriend, or you can't find a girlfriend, remember the tomb is empty. Ariana said, oh, really? Oh. You say that now, girl. The tomb is empty. Amen. Question number three, what did Jesus Christ actually accomplish for us? What did he accomplish for you? Do you know? What did he accomplish for you? There are many things the Bible has to, has to say on this topic alone. Just think of this. Number one, think about the fact that he shed blood on the cross for our sins. Do you know that it was imperative that he shed his blood? Did you know that there'd be no salvation today without the shedding of blood? The prophet, the Old Testament, the legal system demanded blood. He died for us. He died in our place. And Hebrews 9.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there cannot be any forgiveness of sins. He shed, as I believe, every drop of blood in his body. For your sins and mine. How about this one? First Peter 2.24 says that he carried our sins. That, that's, a, that's extraordinary right there. When he was hanging on the cross, he was hanging on the cross because the sins of mankind were hurled upon him. Is what the Bible has to teach us. Your sins and mine were nailed onto Jesus Christ. At the cross. And by his stripes, we are healed. I, I, listen, today I'm living with emotional healing today. 
How about you? How about you? Today I'm living with emotional healing. That's, that's, if that's extreme right there. Because I had lots of scars. How many used to have emotional scars? How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's pain. We can't take that for granted. We cannot take that for granted. It's no longer the case for me. And it's no longer the case for some of you who are here this morning because of the fact that the tomb is empty. Because today you know and you trust a living Savior. Amen, somebody. He's a living Savior. Listen to the verse. It says, 1 Peter 2.24. It says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Just stop right there for a minute. That we may die to sin and live to righteousness. Today we can actually do the right thing because the tomb is empty. We can actually live pleasing God because the tomb is empty. The verse continues, by his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. And number three, Romans 8.1, it's a beautiful verse. You should memorize it if you haven't already done so. It talks about this wonderful thing called justification. This wonderful reality in our lives. Because of, because of the fact that we are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. That's what he accomplished for you and I. Listen, it doesn't matter what the judge says about me. It doesn't matter what my family says about me. And believe you me, I got family members that are still talking. They're still holding their breath, wondering. It's going, it's just, wait, just wait for it, they're saying. It's only a matter of time before Rick falls flat on his face again. It's only a matter of time before he goes back to drugs. It's only a matter of time before he violates parole. Oh, well, wait a minute, I completed that in 1999. It's only a matter of time. And they're still holding their breath. And the reason for my life and your own, because I wasn't the only devil. I, listen, I got front row seat. I know you. I can see you. Listen, some of you, I tell you, there are things you are guilty of. You know you can't tell a living soul ever, ever. Like ever. Even though, even the, the, the person here that seems to be the, the most pristine among us. No, no, no. You got some skeletons in your closet too. I, I know. I know. But thank God for the empty tomb. Amen, somebody. Thank God for the fact that Jesus Christ is risen today. This is a living hope. And you forgive me if I wear my faith on my sleeve, if I get a little emotional sometimes. But this is, this is important to me. It's important to me to know that I'm not involved or engaged in religion. This is not religion for me. This is a living, living, living hope. A living hope. Let's, let's summarize. We answered a few questions here today. Number one, who is Jesus? Or who Jesus Christ is? Number two, the question why he came. And number three, what he accomplished for us. I want you to remember these things when you leave here today. Because you must know this Jesus. He was having a conversation with, with his disciples long ago. And he asked them the question, what are the people saying about who I am? And then he turns the question around and makes it personal to them. Whom do you say that I am? And according to what the Pharisees, or, or rather, forgive me, what the disciples 
said in response to the question concerning what the masses were saying about Jesus, they relegated him to be just a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you are. Some say he was just a prophet in the minds of the people, according to the response by the disciples. But he turned the question around, and it was Peter who stood up boldly. I can imagine. I can see it in my mind's eye. And he responded with a yes and amen. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's whom we serve here today. And I would imagine there's somebody here today who has never taken the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Perhaps you've never been given the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. And this is the first time you've ever been in a setting like this before. And you're probably wondering what we're actually talking about here today. I would imagine. But let me tell you, we're talking about Jesus, our risen Savior. And if you don't know Him, I want you to know that He died for you. He shed blood for you on the cross so that you can have a living hope here today. You don't have to leave here the way you came in. You don't have to live your life with pain. You don't have to live your life with suffering. You don't have to live your life with any of that misery that the world dishes upon us. Today you have an opportunity to know a risen Savior. And all you have to do is say yes and amen to Him. All you have to do is open your heart and recognize, number one, the fact that you are a sinner. And I know that you know you're a sinner because when I lived in the world, my own conscience convicted me of my sin. Doesn't your conscience convict you of your sin? Oh, I know that it does because it's a fact of life. We can't escape it. The voice of God is always proclaiming and declaring. And God is always wooing us in His direction. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to serve Him. He wants you to come to faith here this morning. He wants you to open your heart and your mind and to say yes to Jesus Christ here this morning. Is that you? Don't look around to somebody else. Is that you? You have to leave here knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not here yet. And it's not even promised to us. The New Testament teaches us that life is like a vapor. How many like to cook? When you burn water, you heat water up, you see the vapor that rises from the pot. It appears just for a little while, fractions of a second even at times. Life is just like that compared to eternity. And one day very soon we're going to stand before a living God, an almighty God. It's going to happen very soon. Listen, put it on your calendar because I can't tell you where to put it on the calendar because we don't know. But listen, it's going to happen. It's going to happen very soon. And only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, only those who have recognized their sin and their need for salvation in Jesus Christ will enter heaven's gates. This is one of those opportunities where you can't allow the person sitting next to you to, to distract you from what you're listening to right now. This is all too important. 
Somebody took the time to insist that I hear about Jesus Christ in a prison cell long ago. And I just simply want to insist that you hear this. I'm belaboring this point for a reason. Because somebody's eternity is on the line. Amen, somebody. Somebody's eternity is on the line. And not everybody here knows Jesus. Not everybody here knows Jesus. Do you know him? Would you like to meet Jesus Christ today? Would you like to come to Christ here today? I want to ask everybody to bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around, please. Just listen to these words. John 14, 6. Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He's the only way to get to heaven, folks. He's the only way to get to heaven. And the door is wide open right now. It's not going to be open for much longer. It's open right now for somebody here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Somebody here needs to believe from the heart. Somebody here this morning needs to declare from the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord in a very personal way, in a very intimate way. Do you know Jesus? Don't leave here today without knowing Jesus. His arms are open wide here this morning for somebody. And He is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Oh, I'm going to drag this out. He is waiting for you. I want to ask you, if you want to know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, I want to ask you to take this opportunity to stand on your feet in front of strangers. You don't know Jesus. Amen. We got one. Amen. God bless you, brother. Stay standing. Amen. That two. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Jesus is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Jesus is waiting. His arms are open wide. He died. He bled. He suffered. He was ridiculed. He, his body was left beyond recognition. Couldn't even identify him. That's how they beat him. They beat him so badly. Somebody here today needs to know this. You need to hear this resonating in your spirit. Resonating in your soul. In the depths of your soul. Anybody else? You want to know Jesus? You want to know Jesus? Anybody else? In the back, in the middle, up front, anybody else? Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. I want to ask the two of you to please come forward. Can you come forward? Angie, can you come up here with me, please? Young man, can you come up here with me? Ron, please, Ron. Dave, Dave. Tim right 
He looks so different, doesn't he? Didn't even recognize him. That's Ryan. You're Ryan, right? <laughs> Couldn't even recognize you, dude. I thought, who's this guy? You're pretty good. Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved I'm going to say a sinner's prayer now and if you agree with that and want to confess Jesus as your Savior repeat after me let's bow dear Jesus thank you for coming and dying for me your word says that I'm a sinner, and I know that I am. Your word also says that you took my sin upon yourself. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you so much for touching Angie's heart here today. Father, thank you so much for blessing us with Ryan and for touching his heart here today as well. Thank you for these decisions, Father. We promise to you publicly that we will be faithful stewards of these little ones. We bless you. We magnify your holy name. And God's people say, why don't you stand with me as we sing a song, as we move towards closing. Sing out. My chains are gone. I've been saved free. Just a couple of things before we leave. Um, to my left, your right, or directly in front of you, I have a friend from back east. Before you leave, say hello to my buddy Dave. Amen. He traveled a long way to be here with us this morning. 
Amen. He left his family to come out here to spend time with us. Imagine that. Dave, God bless you, brother. Um, also, before you leave, show your love to Ryan and Angie, please. This is um, very, very, yes, a celebration. The Bible, what does the Bible say, Angie? Angie knows this already. What does the Bible say when a person comes to Christ? There's a celebration in heaven. Angels are rejoicing. Ryan? I tell you, you look like 50 years younger, dude, without that beard. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for razors. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless your holy name. I pray that you bless your people here today, Lord. I pray that you bless the agenda for this afternoon. I would imagine that everybody here is going to go out to eat, visit, visit some family members we haven't seen in a long time, perhaps some friends in the community. Whatever it is we do, Father, may your spirit go with us. May you be with us in a very special way until we come back here to meet again. Father, we love you and we thank you for the fact that the tomb is empty. And today we refuse to take it for granted. We bless you, Lord God, in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Keep Arco in your prayers. Arco will be before us next Sunday. God bless you guys.